guys, welcome to this week's episode of Fast Keto. I am super thrilled today to have Dr. Eric Westman joining us. And this is one of my favorite episodes so far of Fast Keto. It was such a thrill to get to actually meet Dr. Westman in Mallorca about a week and a half ago, see him do his thing, his presentation. He is so experienced in keto and low carb, having been doing this in his practice as a cardiologist and working with thousands and thousands of people over the years. And he is a prolific author in the low carb space. He is just a wonderful person. We had such a fantastic conversation, mostly talking about health and fat loss and weight loss and his experience in some of the best practices in making keto easy for people to understand and to grasp. And it was just such a wonderful time recording with Dr. Westman. So I hope you enjoy today's episode featuring Dr. Eric Westman. All right, guys, it's holiday time. And if you are looking for the perfect gift this year for your loved ones, why not give the gift of health and gaining health through low carb by gifting someone the 28 day challenge. I'm running a very, very special promotion this year. I am giving away a free membership to anyone who buys the program for a friend or family. So if you give the 28 day challenge membership and meal plan, to a friend, colleague, family member, anyone that you think would love this, I will give you an additional membership and version of the book as well. You can go to ketogenicgirl.com and use the discount code Holiday Gift Special 2018. That's Holiday Gift Special 2018. I'll put it in the show notes. And if you put two of the 20 day challenge program you can get either the digital or the digital and the book in your cart you can use the coupon code and you will get one entirely free that savings of over 150 dollars to join the program it has unlimited membership once you join you have the full meal plans to follow for 28 days you can repeat it as many times as you like there's no time limit on the challenge and you can stay in the program and it's just a one-time upfront amount and investment in your health and there's no limit after that on staying in our group we have some members who've been in the group for two years that i'm still coaching and uh, i just love getting to do this and i love how our members also help and support all the new members that join and who are trying out keto starting keto either as a beginner or doing keto for a long time and just wanting to try something new and shake things up so that is my christmas holiday gift special and the coupon code is holiday gift special 2018 you can put the code in at ketogenicgirl.com for a free membership to the 20 day challenge with your purchase of one for a friend family member or loved one i can't wait to have you join us A few disclaimers. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice as I am not a qualified healthcare provider. The information presented on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Ketogenic Girl is not qualified to provide medical advice. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to this podcast. 
Prior to beginning a ketogenic diet, you should undergo a full health screening with your physician to confirm that a keto diet is suitable for you and to rule out any conditions or contraindications that may pose risks or that are incompatible with a ketogenic diet. A keto diet may or may not be appropriate for you if you have any kind of health condition, whether known to you or unknown. So you must consult your physician to find this out. Anyone under the age of 18 should consult with their physician and their parents or legal guardian. Good morning, Dr. Westman. It's great to have you here with us on Fast Keto. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's so great to get to chat with you after we got to meet briefly in Mallorca at the Low Carb Universe. And uh, I thought it was hilarious that you came up to me after my talk and said I should rename myself to Keto Geek Girl. <laughs> uh, well, I, I meant that as a compliment. I think you took it that it. way. <laughs> I loved it. I told my husband, I was like, oh, that's such a good name. Ketogenic Geek Girl is very apt. Well, for anyone listening, uh, there may be maybe one person I can't imagine who doesn't know who you are in the ketogenic space, but maybe you could tell us just a brief background on how you got to be doing what you're doing today. Well, you know, thank you. There are new people coming into this world all the time. So I, you're very kind to say everyone knows who I am. But I, I've been around so long, I think most new folks don't know who I am or, or what we've done. And, and that's okay. I mean, that at Duke University, where I work, uh, we started to study the safety and the healthiness or unhealthiness of a keto diet starting 20 years ago. So when I was faced with a couple patients of mine, I'm a doctor, I work at a medical clinic. I was in what was called a general medicine or ambulatory care clinic. Two of my patients did this kind of diet and I was very skeptical and, and concerned about the safety. And so we got into it because of the uh, observing other people doing it and it clearly could work. So gosh, if it was safe, what a great thing this would be. And then we got into the research, actually met Dr. Atkins, and because he was the only doctor at the time who had a clinical practice you could visit, and asked him what he did and studied his method now over the last 20 years. And it turns out that what he was doing and, and what most keto people are doing now is actually a fine way to fix diabetes, obesity, and, and a fine way to just eat in a healthy manner. So it's interesting um, to see the interest in the keto diet. It really started as a um, low-carbohydrate kind of diet. So anyway, we'll get into all those details. Um, now I think my, my job is to help people uh, figure out uh, if it's not working well or, or to get the fundamental basic uh, information of how to do it right. Um, I still work at Duke University in a clinical practice, and I treat people with all sorts of medical problems, And but there's a, an, art, uh, an art to getting people to understand it and, and to do it correctly, and great to see that you're involved with helping people uh, doing that too. So but yeah, I've been around about 20 years in this world of <laughs> doing research, and, and our papers were published so long ago, now, you know, 15 years ago that a lot of people have forgotten about them. It's almost like they don't even count in some circles, which, of course, is not true. They still do count. So uh, right. yeah, so I got into through the research. I don't have any, you know, huge uh, weight loss story myself. Uh, or, um, mm -hmm. But I've helped, uh, gosh, over 
we estimate 8,000 or so patients in a clinical setting at Duke University since we opened our clinic about 2006 at Duke. Wow, that's incredible. What an, what an impact uh, to make on, on that many people's lives. And I really think in this space, of all the you know physicians and doctors going, and you've really been a pioneer in this space, and it's not really an exaggeration to say that because to go uh, in the face of of the the norm, you know, or what everyone else is doing, it takes a different kind of thinking. So, what do you think is it that made you able to challenge the norms and able to, to challenge these concepts and kind of brave, be brave enough to do it because being a pioneer isn't easy. <laughs> well, you know, I, when I look back, I guess I was always sort of the doctor or trainee, the, the student or resident who was asking for the data. You know, I'd always say, well, where, where's the study behind that? What's, where's the data for that? And when I was faced with collecting my own data, that showed results, meaning meaning these people were getting better. You know, I hate to say data, but the studies I do are are people. They're clinical trials and humans, and and when they're getting better, and other people say it can't work, but it's working, and when other people say, oh, it'll make people sick, but people are getting better, I, I guess I just kind of dug in my heels and said, no, you're not, you know, you're not listening. <laughs> so when one study was done, we decided to do another, and then another. Um, most other people who studied the diet were doing a one one study compare low carb to low fat, for example, and because low carb was as good or, or better, they stopped studying it because their purpose for studying it was to show that low carb or keto was bad. And when they found that it wasn't bad, they stopped studying it. So I guess we were the rare group, Dr. Will Yancey and myself, who said, well, if it's better and you should keep studying it then, you know? <laughs> so uh, right. Dr. Yancey, my, my research colleague, is now director of the Duke Diet and Fitness Center, which is a residential program where people come to town. They, they move to Durham for a month and get into the program. And my medical clinic is an outpatient program where still a lot of people come uh, and people are still getting better. So, so while we started in the research realm, uh, finding results that other people didn't believe or found paradoxical or how can that be true? Well, we're finding out now why why this is all happening and and partly because of like like you did in your lecture in low carb universe is to just show the biochemistry and to show how this all works. It, it's really just biochemistry. It's physiology. It's it's always been there. It's right. just that people. Um, were either avoiding it or, or or they were playing their own tune thinking that well you know that's I'm busy enough studying my own stuff why learn about something new so no you know looking back I'm not any you know pioneer like you know in a battle holding out you know the sword and leading the charge and it's not anything like that I I don't think it's more like you know quietly collected data and published papers. And it was a bit of a surprise when there was a, a disbelief, disbelief of our studies in public uh, airings of it. That, you know, that was uh, unusual. <laughs> Actually, another way to say it is I didn't know much about nutrition as a doctor because we just don't get trained for, about it. So that left me open to the idea of learning a new way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> because so the even right. today, if doctors don't understand nutrition, that can be an, an advantage 
because it'll be open to learning a new way of going about things where it really works. You know, because I, I was faced with programs uh, at my hospital that were very, uh, had a lot of people, a lot of dietitians. They just didn't work. So again, I was the person who wanted to use something that worked and then wanted to find data. And I ended up being one of the people to collect the data on the low-carb keto diet. Uh, that's, I guess that's my long-winded answer. <laughs> I think it does take being a, a pioneer and then you may not be brandishing a sword, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're doing, I think, brave things just by going against the conventional norms and what's agreed upon. And I think as a doctor, you know, you want to see your patients do well and heal and yeah. get better. You don't want to just be treating symptoms of their conditions. You want to go to the source and have your patient come back in a year, you know, thriving, doing better than ever. That would be a lot more rewarding than prescribing medications or helping. I'm sure there are some patients that, you know, you need to do that for is just prescribe drugs and help them manage their pain or their discomfort and things. But when there is an opportunity to help someone improve their life and get off drugs or improve their condition, that's got to be so much more exciting, you know, and rewarding. It is. It is. You know, I, I did the medication prescription for diabetes and for uh, high blood pressure and heartburn and all of those things for about 10 years within the VA system. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just not as a, as a doctor, it's not gratifying. You see people just getting worse and you're, you're palliating, you're not fixing it. And so I guess that left me ripe for the picking, if you will, for a program or a, an idea that would fix all of these things by treating the root cause, like you're saying. So mm -hmm. even today, I see doctors now coming over to the keto medicine or, or just even obesity medicine, where you're treating the underlying cause of the diabetes. And, and it's much more gratifying for the doctor. We uh, have a group called the Obesity Medicine Association in the U.S. that has over 2,000 members. And these are doctors and physician assistants and uh, nurse practitioners who've all, all were sort of uh, disillusioned with the current medication treatment of all these problems. And they found that by treating the lifestyle or, or using medicine to target obesity treatment, that all of the diabetes and high blood pressure problems will, will go away. So, yeah, it's treating the root cause of so many different things. Uh, but, you know, you have to, uh, as a practitioner, you have to really want to help your patient, right? <laughs> and then you have to be open to new ways of doing it that maybe aren't comfortable. You know, um, I was comfortable prescribing insulin to get a goal of a blood sugar. And it seemed weird for me to tell people to eat fat, for example. And now yeah. I comfortably, of course, it's been 15 years for me in a clinic, I comfortably tell people, well, to eat fat and you'll lose the weight and get off the insulin and you don't even have to have diabetes. <laughs> and, you know, the jaws drop and, uh, and there still is this uh, tension between the old way of doing things with medication only and, and pushing carbs for diabetes uh, specifically. And now by taking charge of the food and the medication, an obesity doctor or a keto doctor can actually reverse the diabetes, take it away in most cases, because you take control of the food and the medicine at the same time. But most doctors are not trained how to do that. They don't feel comfortable doing that, or, or even they might be um, 
under some sort of management system where they have to have the blood sugar control right now. You know, they can't wait six months to fix the underlying diabetes with the keto treatment. So they focus on the immediate blood sugar control where not the long-term health of that individual. Mm. I mean, I'm hoping with uh, so many new people coming in and, and a new generation of folks that we need to talk about food and healthy food, real food, keto sort of lifestyle before any of these problems develop. I mean, I, I can, I'm sort of like the fireman who comes to the, the tree and I put my ladder up and I get the kitty down, you know, I safely and I can, you know, that's really gratifying and all, but we got to stop people from, you know, the kitty from going up the tree, which, <laughs> which one effective way of stopping these diseases from progressing is to just pay attention to the food like you're doing. And, uh, and, um, you know, I don't think everyone has to understand the details of ketosis and, and all that. Um, the big picture view uh, doesn't have to be so difficult. Uh, you know, I, I used to understand how a car worked. Now I just get in and ha I have automatic transmission, so I don't even have to worry about shifting gears. <laughs> so I, I, I hope we can make a keto lifestyle as simple and uh, comfortable and tasty as just kind of hopping in an automatic transmission car and there you go. It's so funny how we can do that because I was saying to my husband just this weekend, now that I've learned, been learning so much about biochemistry and the body, I'm like, I don't know how I've lived up until now without knowing all of this. <laughs> no, but you, you do. I mean, you don't, I don't know how a cathode ray in a television works, but I watch television and right. you know, know how all these things work. And yet, um, you know, deepening your knowledge of them. What's been really fascinating for me is, I've wanted to broaden my knowledge and I, I've only found, I know that confirmation bias exists and in deepening my knowledge and studying these things, I've only found more support for low carbon keto because through understanding the biochemistry, I found more sort of evidence. I don't know if it's just because that's what I'm looking for, but the basics, I know that doctors don't study nutrition, but you study biochemistry and the basics that you study are, you know, the me metabolism is such a big part of it and our, all our biological function and processes. And, you know, you look at essential fatty acids and essential amino acids. I mean, it's right in there. Like yeah. we need those, we need that essential protein. We need that essential fat. So why do you think, you know, that this message is lost, even though it's in there, even though you don't really study nutrition, is it because the dots aren't connected between the two in a clear enough way? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I mean, there's so many reasons why having to do with just the way we're grown uh, or we're, we're raised to eat carbs all the time. How can, you know, just the doctor saying, well, how could you live without carbs? I've had them every day. Well, you know, you can. Uh, <laughs> but um, that aside, yeah, the biochemistry has been there. And in my experience, and I, it, it holds true with most of the doctors and trainees that I, I meet. There's a disconnection between a disconnect between the biochemistry teaching and then the clinical application. So you'll you'll learn biochemistry in the first year. You might even learn about some rare diseases uh, that are affected by biochemistry. Like there's a glycogen storage disease where you you can make glycogen or sugar in the muscle, but you can't use it. You just kind of store it there and lock it up. So the idea was, you know, just 
feed this person sugar all the time because the muscle can't use its own sugar that it makes. Well, now, lo and behold, in 2018, the researchers are coming around to say, hey, wait a minute. Well, no, actually, it was the people with the disease that figured out that if they didn't eat the sugar, they could run their muscles on fat. So the idea that your muscles can run on fat is is old. It's biochemistry, it's physiology, but the, going into the clinical world, that was lost. And I think a lot of it had to do with you know the teaching disconnection between the basic science and the clinical world, and then also the social culture we've just lived through the last 30, 40 years, where demonizing the consumption of fat, we, uh, you know, it kind of takes away the idea that, well, you don't want to run your body on fat because fat causes heart disease and causes obesity. And well, these aren't true ideas, but they, they were stuck in our brains, really, even as doctors. So that most doctors, I'm afraid, learn their nutrition from companies selling them food. You know, mm. where, where else would you get vitamin C if you didn't have orange juice, right? <laughs> right. When, when really you probably don't need extra, you probably don't need fruit at all. Uh, you know, the, the requirement for vitamin C probably goes way down when you're not consuming carbs. So anyway, mm-hmm. we've, we've been teaching everyone the metabolism and biochemistry even of carb eaters. So, so it's like we're um, teaching all the doctors how to run this car, the, the body, by feeding carbs and and now some of it's different now so when you don't eat carbs the the body runs differently the ketone levels go up a little bit in some people the cholesterol levels go up a lot and that's okay it's a it's a different kind of metabolism and that's hard for a lot of doctors to understand because you're looking at your normal range on your lab test sheet that you just checked on this patient and it's way out of normal but but that's compared to people who eat carbohydrates so now, the, I think the next wave of teaching will be that uh, uh, it's okay to have a lab value for for certain labs, not all of them, uh, to be outside the normal range of what we noticed and observed with people who were eating carbohydrates. And of course, that's what difficulty there is that that's what we've been taught, but we weren't taught this is what normal is for people who eat carbohydrates. We were just taught this is what normal is. You know, so exactly. even I'll see some people who have a very low blood sugar, uh, low by any means, if you went to the emergency room, they would probably put an IV in you and give you glucose, but the person's fine because the blood glucose level can be lower if you're running your body on ketones and fatty acids. Uh, so, it, I mean, it's an interesting time uh, to ex- be able to explain all these things. And like you've done, go back to the basic biochemistry to understand it. But most people don't have the time or desire to know in that detail. I, I'm reminded of taking a statistics class where, you know, we hand hand calculated a, a p-value in, you know, the 95% confidence limit and the sums of squares and all that. And, and then you do it once and then teacher says, oh, you can just do this on your calculator without doing any of that. <laughs> you know, so, so it's like in, in teaching, and it's important for you if you're, if you're, and for me to know these details, to help fine-tune and to educate and to, to teach, but not everyone needs to know that level of detail. I, I agree. I think it's such a powerful distinction that you made there that all of these norms are taught based on living a high 
carbohydrate lifestyle. And that's a major distinction because if you are eating low carb, you really shouldn't have, say, a lot of lipoproteins or, you know, you shouldn't have a lot of uh, fat circulating in your blood, you know, so it makes sense. But if you are eating a lot of fat or you are burning a lot of fat, then you will have higher, you know, lipoproteins or these, you know, you will have these higher levels of fat in your blood. You will have different cholesterol numbers. And so right. we almost need a whole new, you know, paradigm for looking and interpreting all of these blood values based on just eating real food. And I want to talk to you about how to simplify the message because I think you do such a fantastic job at that. And that is to me, the biggest obstacle is that people perceive keto to be a very bizarre lifestyle or approach to eating. And I, and I, I saw this Dr. Oz clip where this athlete was on showing a keto diet and he had these big vats of oil and big containers full of cashews, like half a table of cashews. I was like, I've never eaten vats of oil or cashews on keto. That is just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And they make it look weird when to me, I guess the message I have is keto is just real food is just eating real food and then replacing sugar and processed refined foods with more real foods that are protein and fat based. And like you said, because there was this fear of fat for so long, that also reduced people's intake of real food overall because protein, all the the sources of protein have fat in them. Eggs have fat in them. If you're avoiding cholesterol and fat, you're going to eat less eggs. You know, meat has fat in it. If you're avoiding fat and wanting to lower your cholesterol, you'll eat less protein. So then you're just left with a lot of greens. <laughs> Those are the same. So, you know, how do we make keto and low carb as simple as possible and as easy to understand as possible? And, you know, how do you do that? Yeah. So the method that, that I use at the clinic, uh, we call it the lifestyle medicine clinic at Duke University, was based on a method that Dr. Atkins and Dr. Eads and Dr. Bernstein and Dr. Uh, Rosedale and Dr. Vernon and all these doctors of the, in the 1900s. So I guess that's ancient history now. <laughs> well, so they, they didn't have uh, MCT, they didn't have keto supplements, they didn't have grass-fed beef, they didn't have uh, all of the same attention we have great to food quality. And so the program that they developed basically kept the carbs low and using total carbs, not net carbs, uh, because the net carbs, uh, some of those non-absorbable kind of carbs can be absorbed. And some of the uh, you know sugar alcohols that you subtract out for net carbs can actually affect the metabolism and, and actually give you gas and bloating for some people. So we use a, a method that was uh, actually you know, developed in 1863 in London called the Banting Method and then refined by these doctors uh, of the uh, 1900s. And it starts basically with keeping the carbs very low, having, like you say, eating real foods like meat and poultry and fish and shellfish and and eggs and uh, the emphasis on having real food um, uh, is the fundamental issue 
that I see that people lose sight of. Uh, so there are all these shiny new products and, oh, keto this, keto that. And, you know, I, I suppose we'll even see a keto water someday where, you know, they just label it something different. And, of course, you don't need the keto water. It's just water. <laughs> but um, uh, the, keeping the car- focusing on the carbs first is really the simplified message that we use. And it helps fix most of the problems that I see people have. Uh, so people will come to me at, at Duke, you know, and uh, it, they'll try all sorts of different things. And I just help them understand the simple message of keeping carbs low. And then 20 for some people is really important. As going from 30 to 20 can actually fix a metabolic problem for some people. So uh, we've been accustomed to thinking that that's not a big difference. And most dietitians will say, oh, 30, 20, I mean, what's the difference? It's all very low. Well, no, when you're talking about ketone metabolism and diabetes and or even metabolic syndrome, which is the low good cholesterol, high triglyceride in the blood, I've seen that small of a change make a big difference. And then now we're learning that some people uh, can have the ketones go away or the fat burning stopped when they're eating just one meal or half a meal of carbs once a week or once every two weeks. So some people have to be really, really strict, you know, doing this every day, you know, not just, you know, <laughs> I had a, someone come back and said, you know, I'm doing your program. Uh, I said, well, yeah, but it's clearly not working. He said, well, I'm doing it 23 hours, 59 minutes and 30 seconds every day. Well, I said, well, that's not really doing it because you have to do it all the time. What are you doing those other 30 seconds? And, of course, he was having a roll of Oreo cookies dipped in milk at midnight. You know, <laughs> So <laughs> some people will overthink things and think, well, I'm doing it most of the time. What if I just don't know? The way our bodies work is that you have to burn that sugar first. Yeah. And so in some people, it's really, really um important to be strict every day and that's not a message that or, or some people think that's a terribly hard thing to do but when you're not hungry it's easy and and like you were saying the the flexibility of what you can eat is actually unlimited it's limitless you could you could have cashews and oils and yeah I, again i don't think that's very palatable and uh, but that's where we the term uh, has been created a well formulated ketogenic diet yes. so you know, some people do the strangest things, and and in the the athletic world, I, I have heard of people doing just really bizarre <laughs> things that seem to work for them. We don't think that that's a good general health principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to be chugging all this stuff and oils and things. Uh, but you know, there's a, a psychology of this that's important. Um, and uh, one of the speakers on the low carb circuit, psychiatrist Georgia Eve, mm-hmm. speaks about this. Um, the psychology of subtraction is different than adding something. So people in general want to take something to fix it rather than have something taken away. So the message of the most important thing is just to take away your carbohydrates to this low level often gets lost or, or works for a little while. And then people will go, oh, but I need to take, need this, I need this, I need butter, I need MCT. I need. No, you just don't need carbohydrates. So re- Repeating that message, often one-on-one, you know, meaning coming to the office or to a coach uh, and showing that things are actually fine, they're working fine, um, can be really important because the the way we're just 
designed is, well, don't I need a new vitamin? Don't I need a, no, you need to keep the carbs really low, you know, but can't I have this once a week and have a vitamin? No, no. So, I mean, that might work, but the time honored way of doing this is just staying away from those darn carbs. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, So there's all sorts of psychology that coaching and partnering and Facebook groups and WeChat and all the, you know, they're, it's fantastic that the, the availability of the internet connection and support, uh, I think that's really facilitated this grassroots movement. Just taking a really quick break to tell you guys about the fact that if you do a new program, lifestyle change or diet change with a buddy, your success goes way up. And I'm here to be your buddy, to be your guide. If you want to try out keto or you've been doing it for a while and not getting the results that you want, you can join me in the 20 day challenge. And right now I'm running a very, very special Christmas gift special. And you can go to ketogenicgirl.com, use the discount code holiday gift special 2018 and you can get a two-for-one membership and program to the 20-day challenge that's right if you buy this as a gift for a friend or family member or colleague or anyone on your christmas list this year i will give you a free membership as well as well as a copy of the book And you can either get just the digital version or you can buy the printed version. And if you get the printed version as well, I'll send you two copies and you can let me know the address to send the other one to if it's a special gift or giving it to them in person. There's no better time to join the 20 day challenge with January coming up. It's just around the corner and it's going to be something so fun to look forward to to get started with keto, get started with low carb and kick off 2019 with a bang. Join the 20 day challenge. Use this discount code holiday gift special 2018. I'll put it in the show notes as well at ketogenicgirl.com. Add two of the 20 day challenge programs to your cart and use that one and you will get one completely free. I can't wait to have you join us in the new year. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I, I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for all the incredible wealth of, of information and access that we have to it with the internet. I I do find it can be really overwhelming. And so that's why I try to just make the message as easy to understand as possible. But you're so right. There's so much psychology to it. And, you know, I may not have myself have tried keto if I hadn't have been actually lured in with like low carb desserts and things like um, a low carb pecan pie I think I saw online I was like well I could do that (laughs) you know so it it's it's definitely you know the psychology of just well taking stuff away that makes it harder to think about committing to whereas if you think about well I can have these you know, buttery coffees and, you know, I can have, you know, these like high fat foods and treats and things that that definitely makes it more appealing to make. Yeah. And those are very helpful, at least at the start. Mm -hmm. Old story I tell of the first time I went to see Dr. Atkins, um, he and Dr. uh, or he uh, and Jackie Everstein, Jackie's a nurse that worked with Dr. Atkins for about 30 years. I, I visited them and I said, what do you do? And 
Dr. Atkins would at one end of the table said, well, you know, if I need something sweet, we created these bars and shakes and, and I'll have one of those, but you know, you, here's the food that we do. And, and then Jackie on the other end of the table said, no, no sweets, no, no sugar-free, this, that, the other thing, you know, just get rid of the sweet taste or, or the sweet tooth because eventually you're going to just go back to eating sugar yeah. in this world that's so full of sugar. And, uh, you know, I was actually kind of reassured that they didn't just have a party line. Here's the message. What I now realize is that they're, they're different types of people. So some people can continue to have the sugar-free or keto alternatives for their lifetime, and other people can't. And, and so w what I also realized is that Jackie Everstein was in the trenches treating probably the worst sugar uh, alcoholic, sugaraholics that there could be. And Dr. Atkins was not so in the trenches. By the time I visited them, which this was 1998, they'd been in practice for 30 years. So, so that one-on-one -on -one when you're, you're coaching or you're providing support to someone, one of the big things is to figure out, is this someone who can do sugar-free things, keto things forever? Or, or over the holidays, uh, especially the first few years, the holidays, carbs come out of the woodwork. And, you know, just a little bit here, a little bit, that's really hard to resist the real thing. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, um, that's a, a struggle that some people have to figure out themselves, you know, the second or third time uh, that they uh, uh, relapse or go back to eating sugar. And then I've, I've seen some people, you know, regain a hundred mm -hmm, pounds mm -hmm. that they, they lose the weight and then they get sucked back into the sugar addiction and then they regain it. So, so uh, over time as a therapist, I, I'll help people figure out on their own how they have to relate to sugar. Do they need to have total avoidance as a long-term strategy, you know, kind of like an alcoholic uh, or can they have it every now and then? Uh, and, that's, uh, I, I find that people with diabetes or a, a extremely high BMI, you know, over 50, 60, 70, I, I see folks like this, not infrequently. They're the hardcore sugar addicts that it's really hard. If you're, if you're having insulin treatment for diabetes and you've been taught to have sugar to save a low blood sugar, that's a process rel more relatively simple. And I, I guess if you're younger, you're uh, not trying to treat a metabolic issue. You're really just finding other healthy things to eat, healthier things, and you like sweet things, go for it. You know, you're not at risk for, you know, the occasional user of alcohol uh, is not at risk for alcoholism, mm -hmm. you know. So I like the idea of coming up with keto-friendly uh, uh, recipes. And uh, although you want to be a little careful of any new kind of product uh, that hasn't been tested and lots of people i've seen that happen where oh this it's a new product it's fantastic well it gave you know bloating and and gas to a lot of people so it didn't really ever like make it to the market even i i've been persuaded by a business partner to create truly low keto mm -hmm. products just to fill that niche of you know well i'm traveling there's nothing to have uh, i want something sweet uh, although we I'm in that awkward position of I, I don't really promote the, those products much. You know, I'd rather have you eat real food. But every now and then, the company's called Adapt Your Life. Uh, you can have these other keto bars, for example, but I don't want you to have those every day. I mean, they're not, none of these keto products are tested as like meal right. replacements. They, they don't have all of the nutrients that someone would want 
in a meal replacement that has been <clears throat> studied for that. Uh, but um, I, I will follow, you know, 20 years ago, I followed my patients into the keto world and figured out a lot of the science and safety of it. And now I'm following the, the desire or wanting to have little keto things to just keep them away from sugar. And I see that that can be really helpful. I think so too. And I think it's such a great point that you make that there's really different types of people and there's different reasons for it too. You know, there's, I've recently kind of discovered that there's abstainers and moderators and abstainers, you know, I think if there's a quote by maybe St. Augustine or St. Francis is, you know, perfect abstinence oh, total abstinence is better than perfect moderation. So it's, it's actually easier. And I'm an abstainer type personality. It's easier for me to have none, no sweeteners. Yeah. I don't have any sweeteners or anything. I like 100% dark chocolate. We I think we tried some when we were at the low carb universe. They had some there um, on the chocolate night, which was, which was neat because I, I love 100% dark chocolate. But if I have sugar, it's harder for me to moderate it. Whereas there's moderator type people who they'll go crazy if you tell them you can never have any ever again. And they do a lot better having a little yeah. bit here and there. And so those kind of like replacement things and foods are so valuable and helpful, you know, and there, there's different personality types. There's different levels of, you know, addiction, like you said too, which is a huge component of it. I came from food addiction myself. So I think that's why the abstinence part goes with it. You know, it's the same with alcohol. Like I, if I had a shot of alcohol once a month, like I just wouldn't be, <laughs> and I was, you know, a recovering alcoholic, like that just wouldn't work out. Like you just can't have any, there's a right. reason alcoholics just can't have any and why abstinence is such an effective treatment. So there's all these different reasons. Now, a lot of people who listen to Fast Keto, they listen for fat loss tips and for enhancing body composition. So I'd love to touch on that and some of your tips. You had a great presentation in Mallorca. You talked a little bit about the four phases that you go through. So, you know, what are some of your best tips that you give people to, maybe we'll talk about just fat loss first and we could talk about muscle sure. building and bone density building, you know, as, as a secondary to that. Sure. Well, you know, the basics of nutrition really start with yes. protein, not ketones or fats. Uh, so, and especially with bodybuilding or, or bone density, mm -hmm. bone health, you want to start with getting adequate protein and uh, how that is defined is really not well defined. Although for a test and exam, we tell people to have a gram to a gram and a half of protein per kilogram of lean body mass. And then everyone says, how do you calculate all this? Well, there are formulas and all that. But in a therapeutic context uh, where people are, have free access to food, most people will match yes. the protein they need with, with just what they eat. So protein comes first. And then you can run your body on sugar or fat, it depends on what you eat. You can actually choose to be a sugar burner or a fat burner. And so the, the tip taking the focus away from, oh, I need to consume fat to burn fat, or I need to have a keto this or that. No, yes. protein <laughs> comes first. And that, that's really widely accepted. And then some people are confused about that, but that's the message that I, that I will always 
come back to. And as a kind of biohack, again, it, it, it eliminates things as a, um, instead of, uh, take this supplement to get this result, it's don't have that extra MCT or, or coconut oil because you're going to get mm-hmm. more calories there. So to actually the, the optimal fat burning diet is <laughs> to not eat anything, but, but that's not healthy, and I don't recommend that, and people get confused. But that leads us toward the idea of not eating three to five times a day if you're not hungry, which is a fabulous idea. So that's now being called mm-hmm. intermittent fasting. And it's, again, kind of a <coughs> human phenomenon that I've taught don't eat when you're not hungry for 15 years, and yet someone will come in and say, I'm intermittent fasting now. Well, what does that mean? Well, I only eat in the evening. Oh, great. Are you hungry any other time of day? No. And I said, well, I've been telling you that for 20 years. But, or, you know, just eat when you're hungry. Well, but there's a label to it. So it's something you're doing, which is a yes. fabulous psychological tool. So intermittent fasting is fantastic if you're not powering through hunger uh, that the rest of the day. So I like the idea of people eating less when they're eating great nutrition, protein coming first. And... um Again, my, my area is, is not so much the healthy folks in a gym who are exercising and young. It's more the therapeutic, you know, people who are sedentary and they're relying on the food to do everything. But I, I give permission for people not to eat so much. Uh, so rather than think of uh, even a, a chocolate shake as a, oh, I need the 15 grams of protein in this sh- chocolate shake, I, I try to teach people, no, 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 that shake is really just a chocolate <laughs> quencher. So you have a couple sips at night, like having the you know square of chocolate, dark chocolate of the bar, not the whole bar, and then put it back in the fridge. You don't need all that protein in the shake, you know. So it's just again that's the psychology of most people come to this thinking: I need this, I need that, uh, uh, I need to go to the gas station to fill up my car five times a day because what? Wait a minute! <laughs> no, you don't. So you know, eating when you're hungry is a time honored principle that the, all the low-carb doctors used, the corollary of that is don't eat if you're not hungry. And, you know, but I have to have breakfast. Everyone says you have to have, no, 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 you don't. <laughs> so in the, in the big picture, eating this way is so radical because you actually listen to your own body. And, and so you, and that's hard for a lot of people to learn because we've been looking, searching for someone else to tell me what to do. And in fact, in the big picture, it's called the health, health locus of control. Mm. People have been accultured to let the doctor take care of it for them or the dietitian or rather than be able to take care of it themselves. So that's something that we try to, to give back, hopefully in a very the patient doesn't even know what's happening. You know, the, we coach someone and, and, oh, look what you've done. No, no, you've helped me. No, no, you've done. And it takes time. But uh, ultimately, learning your own body signals, uh, not thinking that you have to always have something to achieve the goal uh, are a couple of the biohacks. I mean, I, I'm very interested in the, the new keto products and, um, for example, substituting a uh, bulletproof coffee or, or, you know, a coffee with butter or MCT, coconut oil, instead of cream. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are sensitive to dairy, and uh, but I don't know the percentage, and, it, and I, in my practice, it's more of a trial and error thing. But sometimes these simple changes, I'll have someone say, uh, I changed to, uh, from cream to 
oil in my coffee or butter and, you know, you blend it so it's frothy and it tastes great. And then they're not hungry till the evening. Something, a simple fix like that. And I'm pretty sure it has to do with the biochemistry and the ketones and all that, but we just don't have the data yet to, for me to say it uh, definitely. But so uh, I'm sure you've had people or you may have done on your own uh, checking your own ketone levels after you're doing these sorts of things. And uh, if someone really wants to get into that level of self-monitoring, I'll help people figure out changes in the food. And sometimes small changes can make a big difference. Um, right. Haven't you found that to be true? We'll be back in a moment, but I just want to take a moment to say something about collagen. I received a lot of questions from you guys about collagen ever since I started posting my level up lattes where I add collagen to coffee. The only real drawback to bone broth where you get so much great collagen, it's one of the reasons that bone broth has become so popular in the last few years. You get this great collagen from it, but it's a real hassle to make. Now, for any of you who don't know, collagen is a special protein that your body uses to repair itself. Whether you're getting it to straighten out digestive problems, help your mood, soothe achy joints, repair and support your gut lining if you have leaky gut, or just get that glow back in your skin. Collagen is a huge piece of the puzzle. The problem is that most of us get very little of it from our diet unless we're making bone broth around the clock. Now, maybe you're using a collagen-based skin cream or you're adding collagen to your coffee like I do. That's better than getting none at all. But one of my biggest beliefs is that food beats supplements. The closer a nutrient is to nature, as you know, the easier it is for your body to break it down. That translates into superior healing. That's why I want to tell you about this bone broth from Kettle and Fire. They simmer grass-fed bones for 10 to 20 hours, extracting every drop of body-loving collagen straight from its most natural source. Their beef bone broth contains 20 grams of collagen per carton, and their chicken broth has 10. No wonder they have over 10,000 five-star reviews. The only real drawback, as I said, is making bone broth is a pain to make, but that's not going to be a problem for you because order from Kettle and Fire, they ship their broth straight to your door in specially sealed cartons. That way you can heat it up on your stove, sip it in your mug, or load up on collagen in five minutes or less. It's the next best thing to having a chef come in your house and cook it for you. Kettle and Fire has put together a very special offer for my listeners who want to experience the bone broth difference. You can go to kettleandfire.com. That's K-E-T-T-L-E and fire.com front slash ketogenic girl and use the code ketogenic girl in all caps for 15% off. The coupon code is automatically applied when you buy through this link, which I will put in the show notes. I love that you brought that up. And I think it's such a great point because as much as I rail against, you know, all the fatty coffees that people drink, because if their goal is fat loss, then, you know, drinking a, a coffee that has 800 calories in it, which can happen really easily with heavy cream, butter, MCT, all these things. I mean, that's two steak dinners right there that you just drank for breakfast. And so it's not helpful. But at the same time, you know, maybe if it's more like two, 300 calories and you're replacing that instead of having sugar, and then you actually don't have the insulin reaction from high blood glucose after having a coffee with say, uh, even sugar-free syrup in it and whatever frappuccino or, or things, concoctions that we get at, you know, Starbucks drive through and stuff, um, that's full of sugar. So you don't have the insulin reaction. So then you actually 
have just a better overall return to the, you know, post-absorptive state much quicker. And, you know, I was talking about that in Mallorca and how, you know, I guess in your opinion, although this might have a lot of calories in it, this drink might have a lot of calories in it. If it's not causing an insulin spike after it's not causing this big insulin reaction, then you're actually going to be able to stay in that post-absorptive state longer, get back into it quicker where you are in that fat burning mode, where you are in that ketone generating mode much more readily. You're going to be able to access that metabolic flexibility than if you are having sugar. And it's a, I guess it's a big component of all this, of why eating low carb gets you into this ketogenic state, why these strategies like intermittent fasting, they're really, really helpful. But even just a low carb diet, even just cutting out the sugar makes such a big impact and replacing a lot of it with healthy fats because you are then able to access that metabolic ability. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, the if the goal is weight loss, accessing calories off your fat store on your body, it's really the, the sum total, the balance sheet of the whole day of the caloric intake. So in some people, that little extra calories from fat in the morning reduces the consumption of the calories over the rest of the day. I hate to say the word calorie because this is usually automatic. You don't have to count calories. For most people, they don't. you don't have to do this, but this is just one of those tricks uh, that, and now if someone tries the oil and butter in the coffee, and then the, it doesn't work out that they're eating less, you know, their their lunch is delayed or even right. missed because they're not hungry, then, of course, you would regroup and say, no, okay, that's not working. So that's the other interesting thing with the internet. Haven't you found that, that people will search and search and search and try this, try that, and try that, and then think something's wrong with them when actually they just didn't find something that was tailored for them, you know? Right. So that's what's really nice about coaching partnering with people, working one-on-one, and, you know, saying that, you know, until you get results, I'll be here working with you, Mm. instead of searching on the internet for that one person who has the same (laughs) metabolism that they do, actually coming to a a trained practitioner is is, uh, another key part of this uh, for some people. If it's not working, talk to someone who actually has some experience coaching people on how to do it. Now, why do you think that there's something with low carb and eating real food that enables people to connect back to their intuitive eating and their hunger signaling and their appetite signaling more than if they're on a high carb diet? Do you think it has mostly to do with the locus of control or is there something to a high carb lifestyle that interferes with some of those signals and, you know, endocrine signaling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, True mechanism, you know, is probably not known. I mean, addiction world teaches us that if you feel tugged to have something, it could be a cigarette, a a pill, a a food, you know, a a candy bar, uh, that's probably a reward center dopamine uh, increase in the nucleus accumbens, which is you know a very deep brain primitive thing, so that we're hardwired to, if there's a berry around, you're going to eat the whole thing of berries. <laughs> the, the sweetness usually makes us, uh, as humans, want more, yeah. and it's other other mammals as well. And so starches get digested to sugar, and for 
some people that there's kind of a, a food profile of, okay, you're a pure sugar uh, person where you, you love fruit, you love Snickers or other candy bars or sodas that have sugar in it. Or there's another profile where, no, they don't, I'm not a candy person. I'll, I'll hear someone say, I love bread. I love pasta. I love rice. And, but those things get digested just the same down to sugar and hits that reward center in the brain. And so when you stop having that uh, addictive sort of relationship to food, I think it just kind of automatically sets back to the, here's how much protein you need. And what's fascinating, when you look at other animals, uh, there was a a saying in um, The Magic Pill, a movie that you can see on Netflix now about the keto diet. They open, the opener is, uh, you know, animals, uh, really, wild animals never get obese except humans, and then animals fed by humans. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a great great opener to the the movie. Uh, Of course, then they go to the oldest society on Earth that we know of uh, uh, in Australia and see how the food has affected them, and and they fix themselves basically by going back to the way their their, grandparents ate. But so um, the idea that this is an environment food-based problem that we're living in right now and it's largely the sugar that's the problem and i think uh, getting away from that sugar tug um, uh, in fact i I met a doctor through the years who very smart individual just said hey you know if there's a food that you can't think you can live without i can't live without that food then stop it you know that's an unhealthy relation to that food, which is entirely different than the way I was right. raised. You know, oh, you like that? Have it. Have more. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> right. Sweeteners, uh, so, because I found that I I couldn't leave the house like without having some stevia with me to have in coffee or tea or make lemonade, and I was like, I'm so dependent on this. There's something there, you know, so that made me examine it more. But I think there's something with yeah. carbs also that suppress some of our maybe leptin or our fullness, you know, triggers because like you said, of survival and the fact that we can store it, you know, you have these pie eating contests and things where people can just eat and eat and eat. But then you have, you know, steakhouses that know a secret, like you can't eat so much steak, like you get to a point where you just can't eat more steak, you can't eat more protein, you can't store it and you can't like you, you get satiated so quickly, you know, that they don't really have to give a lot of free steak dinners because, um, you know, right. whereas like a pie or ice cream or things, they do interfere with our, our satiety hormones. And because of that survival yeah. drive, yeah. it's almost like our bodies are out of sync with time because as I study biochemistry, everything is designed in a way to reflect an intermittent feeding schedule when food was not secured it was not accessible it was not you know uh we don't we didn't have this food you know security in the west like we do now where the access and convenience is so continuous that there is no intermittent feeding like it's just feeding all the time and you never go into that post-absorptive state where you know insulin is just always active so that glucagon that fat burning you know, the ketones, that's why it's, it's so revel- revelatory to people like, 
wow, I can burn my own fat. You know, so we've always had that, that option, but we never go into it. We never access it because like you said, we're going to the gas station five times a day. So there's no time to ever use that extra tank that you have on you because, you know, we're designed in this intermittent way. And yet uh, our bodies need to do that, need to fuel us continuously in case we didn't come across a food source for a week or, you know, however long it might be. And yet now that's just not very common anymore. Yeah, I, that's all. I totally agree. And what we're faced with is that some people can easily just stop the recurrent feeding and others can't. I mean, <clears throat> some even will travel to Durham, North Carolina to spend a lot of money to be in a program that doesn't feed them much, you know? <laughs> so they have to get out of their own, uh, well, it's a, it's a classic um, addiction treatment rehab philosophy is that you have to take an addict out of their environment and change the, it's, you know, something that's used for other hardcore drugs. And it works pretty well. Uh, of course, when that individual gets control and then they go back to their environment, if they haven't made changes that are sustainable and durable, then they just go back to eating the old way. I'm excited to see the food Mm. environment change, though. We've had a change in the ability at just any grocery store to get riced cauliflower or cauliflower, mashed cauliflower, and the pasta substitutes are growing. And so uh, that's something that I think shows that there's a, a, a true need for it. I don't think these big companies would have changed, um, or a, not a need, a demand was the word I was looking for, because the companies will change based on what people buy. No question about that. And that's encouraging to yeah, see. But with our wallets, and I, I love that you brought up those two things, because even just making a small change, like having your pasta fettuccine alfredo with zucchini noodles instead of processed refined pasta noodles or having rice cauliflower or mashed cauliflower, you're adding, you know, so much to your health as opposed to causing these blood sugar spikes. And some people don't really have carb addiction. They just could benefit from eating more whole food, real food, and they'll do better long-term overall in their health. Uh, the other thing I, I just want to touch on real quick before we wrap up is you mentioned lifestyle changes and I think this is a huge factor that's really not talked about a lot in terms of sustainable change. And, you know, if someone has created a life where they are going to these addictions and things, you know, because of their life, the way it's designed, say they have a very stressful life and they, they go to your clinic and then they go home, but they haven't changed anything about the actual circumstances of their life that, those triggers will come up for them and it'll be difficult to make that sustainable. So do you give people kind of advice on maybe adding meditation or doing things to remove stressors or do you ever like kind of address those factors? Sure. Absolutely. The uh, three, three tools that lifestyle medicine has is uh, diet of course is number one nutrition and then activity and exercise is and stress management are the other two components. And yeah, no question that um, the people say I'm an emotional eater 
Well, it's basically stress management using the food as a therapeutic tool, as a, so it's really like therapeutic eating, not emotional eating. <laughs> so helping people find other ways to manage stress is, is really, really important. Um, meditation, exercise, you know, it, it all depends on the specific person and what, what they've been. I try to connect people to what they used to do. Um, so I don't have to teach everyone something something entirely new. If someone used to be a, a hockey player or a, a volleyball player, or they, they hate jogging, or you know, try to match the um, the activity and the stress management tool. Um, although, <coughs> excuse me, as a um, a lot of people, because it is new and kind of popular at the moment to help people get to uh, yoga class, for example, if you've been out of shape not exercising for a long time. There are a lot of yoga instructors who will help. Well, I think yoga kind of takes you where you are and takes you to the next level uh, as an easy way to get back into exercise, uh, getting back into your body. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's so huge. I mean, most of the people I've seen have really not been living in their body. They've been in their head for so long. (laughs) That that can be a a slow process. I guess let's put it for someone who's young, developing the tools with stress management that don't include food as the primary tool is really important. And although I've met a lot of people who solve their their problem of stress and, and, and weight when they're young by just exercising more, but then they hit the family stage where they can't do that because they're taking care of the kids and, and you know life gets busy so that, well, then you have to adjust the way you're eating. Uh, don't assume that you can eat the same way when your your activity stress management side of life has changed so drastically. Um, and but that's such an individualized thing. It's hard to know exactly what to say other than, hey, this is important and and I can help you figure out something that will work for you. That's great. So some of your your I guess your main tips are for anyone, say, who is new to this and wanted to get started is basically protein first, start with getting adequate, you know, quality protein, replacing kind of sugar and, and a lot of high carbon take with, you know, a, a lower carbon take and, and healthy fats and finding a care provider, someone who's trained or understands these modalities so that, you know, they're they're able to understand the blood work. They're able to understand all these things and, you know, kind of work with you, especially if, you know, there's other medical issues or medications or things that they're they, someone that's, you know, speaks this language and understands it and, um, you know, can, can evaluate it from this perspective of low carbon and real food. Exactly. And, you know, having been in a clinic with people who are on all sorts of medicines and medical problems, that's just a, a word of caution. If you're, if you are on medicine or your parents or a loved one and they don't understand how the diet change can impact uh, those medications, they really need to see a doctor who knows about this. And sad to say, most doctors really don't know how to take people off medications. Um, that's another company I'm involved in to just help train people on how to uh, take people off medicine. And we're creating new clinics and hopefully we'll have them around the country uh, real soon. But um, that's a, just a, also a, it's not that the diet's harmful. It's just that it's so 
powerful that you don't need these medications. Right, and I, I often like to say keto to me and, and low carb and all this is just providing your body with adequate building blocks and nutrition because the body's so hyper intelligent that it really is just about restoring homeostasis. And the best way to do that is give your body the best, you know, building blocks that you can and then get out of the way, you know, but if you are so far away from homeostasis, you know, there may be contraindications, as you all know, you know, with those medications that you have to really do it very gradually, lower your carbs gradually, do all these things. And that's why it's so important to work with a doctor, physician, someone who understands this. And it's so important, the work that you're doing, especially I know you travel so much and you speak so much at all these events around the world and you speak to other doctors so that you can understand this better. And I also want to talk about your crowdfunding initiative because I think it's so important and it's, it's, you know, all of the change that needs to happen in healthcare and, you know, standard of care and, and incorporating nutrition needs to come from, you know, changes at, at this level. So maybe you can tell us a bit of more about the, the crowdfunding. Great. Thank you. Yeah. The clinical company I'm involved with that teaches, hires, and just takes care of the management of, of teaching so that you don't have to convince your doctor about it. You just come to someone who's already trained. That's called Heal Clinics, Heal, H-E-A-L, for healthier eating and living. And we've finally figured out um, that a good way to get this, well, really the way this is growing has been always through a grassroots effort. And so it, we just can't wait for the medical mainstream or the diet mainstream, nutrition mainstream to come around. So we're asking individuals to help fund uh, in an equity sort of campaign. It's not, uh, you're not just giving away money, you're actually buying stock in the company. We have a crowdfunding equity campaign going on right now uh, for the next month or so. And you go to the healclinics.com website and click on investors or investment. And it's all right there. And, you know, I had no idea. So someone like me, I didn't realize that many companies are getting started through the crowdfunding Mm -hmm. platform. And so a grassroots thing that like a disruptive technology like this is, you know, again, how radical is that? We just take away medicines and give people real food, but it's a disruptive technology, which because it doesn't fit into the medical paradigm currently um, that a lot of the companies like the Oculus 3D glasses started through crowd uh, funding. So anyway, so we have that opportunity. If you want to help the the field grow, uh, you want to get the availability of a clinic near a loved one, that is a way to help out. And it with, it's actually with as little as, I think, $450, you can buy stock in the Heal Clinics company, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. And as you know, a family investment to be able to invest in something and also be a part of something that's going to help transform, you know, the lives of so many people. I think it's just an amazing thing. So for someone, they're, they're buying stock in the company. So it's not just like a crowdfunding where they're kind of donating it. Correct. Right. Or uh, I've seen some conferences sell tickets through this mechanism, like Keto Fest will will uh, um, 
say, if we don't sell 500 tickets, we won't have the conference or no. So this is a, you're actually buying stock in the company. And we, of course there's risk, you know, like any investment, Mm -hmm. um, but um, it's very little risk if you're, you know, able to afford 500 or a thousand dollars. So the idea is um, to, grow the company through grassroots. We have several clinics open in North Carolina, Virginia, and um, uh, uh, soon in another Midwestern state. So it's uh, already been a a method that we're using. It's just a matter of getting the airplane off the ground, if you will, in terms of um, growing the company now. That's wonderful. And and I'll put the, the link in the show notes, but it's it's healclinics.com and then front slash offering or just healclinics.com and people can go there and, and find more information on on the investment. And yeah, I think it's very yeah. commendable to have this kind of, you know, investment that people can participate in something that they're also aligned with, you know, just from a values perspective. Well, in the 20 years I've been in this space, um, it's always been a grassroots change. Mm. You know, mm. there, there's so many factors that are against this sort of change. We can't wait for the mainstream folks to do it. Right. We need to take control and, and do it ourselves. Right. Now, if you could put one thing on a billboard out there for everyone to see, what would it say? Uh, well, in, in my world, it's type 2 diabetes is reversible. Because mm. I'm in the, the clinical world. Um, if it was uh, just a general billboard, it would be, you know, mind the sugar. <laughs> right. yeah. Sugar is the is the evil thing, not the fat. <laughs> yeah. uh, Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Westman. It really was an honor to have you on the show and look forward to inviting you back again in the future. And, you know, I one of the first books I read in this whole low-carb space was Keto Clarity by Jimmy Moore and yourself. And it was so insightful. And I know that that book still does so well and it just continues to grow in its readership. And I really, you know, just appreciate all that you do out there for this cause and for getting people to gain health and, and especially influencing other physicians to opening their minds to the role of nutrition in you know healthcare and and disease prevention and, and treatment. So thank you for all. My pleasure, and I'm glad you're involved. Awesome. <laughs> all right, thank you so much, Dr. Westman, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Great, you too. thank you so much for tuning in today i had such a wonderful chat with dr eric westman today and i hope you can check out some of his links including his crowdfunding which is such a cool venture and such a great investment something to really be proud of being a part of so i'll put the links in the show notes to that as well so you can check it out And be sure to check out the 20 day challenge if you're brand new to keto or you have been doing it for a while and you want some help and guidance, I'm here to be your guide. And right now, as I mentioned, I'm running that very special Christmas gift special and the discount code is holiday gift special 2018 and you can use it 
to buy the 20 day challenge program for someone that you love, a friend of yours who's interested in gaining more health and trying out keto. And you guys can do it together because you'll get a free additional membership and meal plan program, either the digital version or two copies of the printed version, depending on which one you get. And I can't wait to have you join us. So until next week, I hope you're enjoying the start to the holiday season and have a fat-fueled rest of your day.